remember that this is your mission and this is your purpose and this is your gift. Surround yourself with people who will support you on your journey. Hi, welcome to Focus on Progress, the podcast for you, the online business owner who wants to see more progress in your business, in your life, and in the lives of those you lead. I'm Richard Ralston, and in this podcast, you'll hear stories from people who are doing amazing and interesting things. And you'll also hear that their journey has not necessarily been straightforward and easy. They've often had to face difficult things and figure out how to overcome them. We'll uncover the thoughts, ideas, and actions that have enabled them to move forward and make progress despite the challenges. My guest today is Tosha Shaw. Tosha is a parenting coach who focuses on helping parents learn to parent their boys. She has a double major in women's studies and language studies. Life was running along smoothly until one day, when she was about three months pregnant, she suddenly wondered, what if I have a boy? Until then, that possibility had not occurred to her. She realized that she now needed to figure out a way to marry her commitment to women and feminism and her commitment to these amazing beings who she birthed, who happened to be boys. And so started an entirely new journey that has led Tosha to creating a course on how to manage aggression, writing a book, and building a membership community. In this episode, Tosha shares with us the challenges she faced as a parent of three boys, the countdown timer technique she used to build her business at the same time as being a full-time mum, and how introducing accountability groups to her membership is helping her people make more progress in their parenting journey. This is an inspiring story of how life doesn't always go the way we expect it to. Things come out of what feels like nowhere and change everything. For Tosha, this led her on an unexpected journey with a mission to change the world, one sweet boy at a time. Hi Tosha, welcome to Focus on Progress. It's great to have you here today. Thank you, Richard, for inviting me. So, Tosha, you work with parents, primarily of boys, and you run a program that helps parents parent their boys better. Is that right? Yeah, I run a business called Parenting Boys Peacefully, The mission is to create a more peaceful world, one sweet boy at a time. And essentially I do that by working with parents of young boys to care for themselves, to connect with their boys deeply, to learn how to set limits lovingly and to play wildly. And I've got a membership and a course and another course and yeah, that's what I do. Ah, that's fantastic. And uh, you and I have known each other for a little while now, but there's a couple of things there that you said that um, I haven't heard you say before were fantastic. Like, I think it was, uh, you know, teaching your boys to play wildly. And that's, I, I love that idea because boys like to do boys type things, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody loves to play, right? And I think we don't realize that we can use play strategically in our parenting. So I like to talk to parents about how to bring play in to set limits lovingly, for example, mm. or just lighten up a stressful moment. I think parents a lot of times feel like they need to go strict or they need to come down hard, right? Or, or they just let it go and everything will take care of itself. But play is a, a great way to come in and, and quote unquote discipline. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even for us as adults, I think we need to be playing more. We could we could all, I think we'd all be a whole lot healthier if we went out and did some things, you know, every day that were just fun. 
Oh, totally. Yeah, for sure. It's it's the kids are much quicker to to, to come to the play. We we're the ones that we got to work on. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that true? So when's the last time you had a big giant belly laugh with a friend, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I do have a couple of friends that we we have a lot of hilarity together, but I certainly miss it. It doesn't happen enough. So, how did you get into the parenting area? Is that your training or background, or? No, <laughs> gosh, my training and background, um, some people might think has nothing to do with what I do, but I think it's completely connected. But if you want the letters after my name and whatnot. So my, my first uh, university degree was a double major in women's studies and language oh. studies and a lot of linguistics. And then I did graduate work in applied linguistics and teaching English as a second language as well. So I kind of took the brain science from the linguistics piece and the you know sort of feminist perspective from the women's studies and applied those and also the pedagogy from the teaching part of mm -hmm. um, teaching English as a second language and I sort of pulled those pieces together as my path led me to this field of parenting and built this business out of those skills and of course I've developed more along the way right it's been quite a while. Yeah, uh, that is fascinating. When I was at university, I, I studied music back in the day and then went on and did some, did some education papers as well and uh, diploma in tertiary teaching and bits and pieces like that. But when I was doing music, we had to pick up some other courses to add to our program. And I did Linguistics 101 as well. And it was absolutely fantastic. And I love words. I love communication. I love writing. I find it a challenge. And I think that's because I'm so, I, I just really want to communicate my ideas as clearly as I can. And so I'm probably pretty hard on myself in that way. But that's fascinating that you did linguistics and took it right through to that, you know, really high academic level. Yeah, I mean, I was I was set to progress onto my PhD, and then I just decided that I didn't want to be in academia. I wanted to work with uh, people. I'm a more of a pe people person, and I didn't want to be uh, manipulating, you know, syllables and syntax and phonemes yeah. and whatever I was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, fascinating. And of course, you have you have boys of your own, don't you? I do. I've got three of them. Right, and so. It, was it part of that, that having boys of your own that led you towards being interested in parenting boys or did that happen earlier? No, it was very much connected. I think like many entrepreneurs, like we are led and not entrepreneurs, many people who are led, who, you know, were led to our work or our calling for, for some of us who are lucky enough to find that calling mm. by way of challenges that we face in our life. And I was, uh, at a crossroads with my boys when they were little. I think my, it was my second one. I think my, I was pregnant with my third one, I believe. And I just really bottomed out. I was not behaving in ways that I felt good about. I was wow. you know, reacting harshly and um, really struggling with the behavior of one of my boys. And I reached out for some help and the woman who ended up being my mentor and leading a support group that was just by magic right close to where I was living at that time, which could have been anywhere on the planet, right? Which was so yeah. cool. It was like 10 minutes from my house. I love that. 
that that was sort of the beginning of a long journey. She ended up really becoming a, a lifelong mentor. I ended up co-authoring co my book with her and you know, training to teach um, the philosophy of parenting that she developed. And that's really like the basis of the tools that I teach. Um, so that was sort of the, the general, like why parenting and the, and the boys was, I mean, to be honest, it was twofold. It was one, one part of it was like, that's who was coming to me because I think people looked at me and they're like, okay, if she can handle these three wild boys, like <laughs> yeah. she can help me, Yeah. right? So part of it was like that. And, and and part of it was just niching, right? Like when you start a business, it's easier to grow when you're really specific about who it is that you're serving. Mm -hmm. And so I started it out for that reason. And then it turned into this mission because all sorts of things happened that made me realize that parents of boys really do need a place that's non-judgmental and safe and um, their own to be able to share their struggles and really lay their cards face up on the table and get the help that they need to be able to help their boys through the struggles that they're facing. Right. So when you say all sorts of things happen, can you, can you give us an example of the sorts of things? Well, I mean, to even go back earlier, actually, before I had the kids, I would just mm. say that I remember when I was pregnant with my first one and it was maybe a few months in and I remember laying on the couch and then suddenly realizing, oh my goodness, like, what if I have a boy? Because <laughs> I grew up basically with my mom. It was just like me and my mom, the dynamic duo, and I never even imagined I would not have a girl. It didn't even cross my mind. Now, I mean, that obviously was me and all sorts of stereotypes about what it meant to have a boy and what boys are, and it was just foreign to me. Right. So what did I do? I called my mom, <laughs> and she answered the phone, and I said, Mom, what if I have a boy? And there was just silence on the other end. Felt like a year, right? It was probably like 10 seconds. Yeah. And then she said, don't, don't worry, Tasha, we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's like, it's like this big thing, right? I mean, it's so ridiculous, like looking back, but, but it was something that was just felt like it was just coming out of nowhere for me, like a, a possibility that I had never considered. And then what happened is that I had a boy and then I had another one and then I had another one. And as I mentioned before, I was a women's studies major. I also grew up with my mom. I was very much um, involved in you know, politics and, and women's rights and all sorts of feminist missions. And interestingly, like when I was thinking back in the time that that was happening in the seventies in California, Mm. Even if the intention wasn't so, the message that I got as a girl and as a young woman was that men were the bad guys. And I still consider myself a feminist and I still am, you know, definitely all for fighting for, for women's rights. So I want to be Absolutely. clear about that. Yeah. But yeah. What, what became clear when I had my boys was that I needed to figure out a way to marry my commitment to, to women and feminism and my commitment to these amazing beings who I birthed who happened to be boys. So that sent me on this journey of how, how what do I do and, and how do I make clear that actually raising emotionally intelligent men and the opportunity that we have to parent our boys peacefully, especially when they're struggling when they're young, right? How do I let parents know that this is, 
this is peace work, right? This is a feminist act and this is peace work. So that's kind of what turned into my business. Well, I, I mean, that is fascinating because uh, for many people, I imagine that that could have been a major challenge to your worldview, right? You're going down a certain line and, and a certain mission in life, which is, you, you know, to really promote the the rights and opportunities for women, which in the 70s, I mean, that, that was like huge and, and needed to happen. I mean, honestly, Absolutely. That, and, it, and it still needs to happen. You know, there's, there's still a lot of balance that we need to find in there. But to suddenly then have three crazy, wild, wonderful boys in your life, that throws something else into the mix that really wasn't where you were going, right? That's right. I mean, they, they can't be the bad guys. Like, I, I love those guys. And I and then when they started struggling, I needed to figure out how I could be an advocate for them, right? So then here I am, this feminist, like, with a boy who is expressing aggression, for example. Right. And, and what do I do with that? It's like, no, I can't just label him the bad guy. I can't put the blame on him or say something's you know terribly wrong with him. Like I need to figure out how to get him through this. So it just it just shifted everything for me. And and you know it's interesting. You think about now even in you know the feminist movement and all all the all the progress that women have made. I mean we have made huge progress in the workforce for yeah. sure, right? We're holding more and more positions of power and higher positions. We're being paid more and more. I mean, it takes time and it's too slow. And yes, all of that is true. Absolutely. But what hasn't happened is, is, is the comparable sharing of responsibility on the domestic front on the part of men. And this is like, if we're talking about a heterosexual couple, right? Uh, in this example, it's like, I might be running my own business like I am, Right. I might be supporting my family and be like the main income earner in my family, which I am. Well, I need my partner to step up and do some of the things that have traditionally been, you know, the quote unquote mm. women's role. And parenting falls into that category as well. Right. Mm. And so we 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 just haven't really paid attention to that. Like feminism is nuanced. We we need to give men and dads also the opportunity to step into their role as as parents and, yeah. and, and play an important role and not have to feel like we need to control them or keep tabs on what they're doing or anything like that. So it's been really interesting. I mean, one of the things my, my most, one of my recent, um, uh, I, don't, I can't think of the word right now, but one, one, of the, one of my focuses of late is really creating safe space for dads to come into my membership because right. one of the things that's true about the peaceful parenting movement is it is like 99% women. It is almost all moms and dads don't have much of a place. So maybe, maybe six months ago now, I started implementing monthly um, support groups just for dads in my, in my group, but I've brought in uh, a man to lead those with me. And it's been amazing. Like the dads have loved it. And yeah, and also now I know we'll talk about progress pause moving forward, but I will just say that a dad recently asked, like, can we have a progress pod for dads? Wow. And so we're working on uh, getting that going as well. Oh, that's fantastic. And and it's it's amazing that you asked that because I was about to ask you about, you know, what uh, the balance or the ratio of men and women in your 
uh, membership was. But again, I didn't know. But it, it doesn't surprise me that it was, you know, there's a lot more women involved than men. And again, it's one of these stereotypes that we've got to break down that it, it's uh, your membership is an example, really, of that stereotype that it's mainly women, apparently, that do the parenting. And that's just I don't believe it should be that way. So I think it's fantastic that you're opening up opportunities for men to learn more about how to parent their boys as well. Yeah, I mean, and like with anything, when you're bringing people into a new space that they haven't been in, it's important to give them room to mess up, to, you know, ask quote unquote stupid questions, to not know. And and so that's my goal is to really create that safe and, and a brave space for the men to come in and try to figure this out without feeling embarrassed or ashamed or anything like that. Yeah, it's been really cool. Yeah, it is very, very cool. Because most of us parent our children just the same way we were parented. And most yeah, of us... But most of us don't want to. I was going to say that. Most of us look at the way that we were parented and we go, well, I, I'm never going to behave like that. I would never treat my children that way. And and I remember a situation with my son when he was about maybe two and a half, three. I reacted in a certain way. And then I saw my son react. And I went, oh, my goodness, he's just a little Richard. He's behaving just like me, even at the age of two and a half or three. three. And I thought, wow, I, I've really got to do some soul searching and some thinking around this. And, and you know, we, we worked some things out. My son is now 32, I think, and we have a wonderful relationship. And we go out skateboarding together and they live up north and they have two girls and another girl on the way. And we seem to have bred girls in our family. So <laughs> that, that's a different dynamic as well for a father parenting girls. Yeah, I'm sure. I can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have yeah. no girls as far as I can see. <laughs> so you went through university and you did your study in women's studies and linguistics, and then you started having children and you realized that there was some rethinking you needed to do <laughs> a little bit and that led on to you meeting your mentor and that led on to you starting your business your peaceful parenting business how long has your business been running now oh gosh I've, I've been doing it in some form for probably about 15 years wow i had no idea you've been doing it that long that so, so you kind of know what you're talking about really then I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> and you've obviously helped hundreds and hundreds of parents with... That with, I can say I have, yeah, yes. Yeah, fantastic. So what have been some of the challenges you've had in building your business, especially in this area, in the parenting area? I mean, it's not, you know, if somebody builds a business in the area of helping people make more money or develop a, a skill that they can then go on and use in their vocation or in their job or something like that. that. That seems like, they seem like businesses that would make money relatively quickly and people want those skills. Parenting, a little different. So what, what are some of the challenges you've had in building your business? Yeah, well, I definitely have not been like an overnight success, at least not financially. 
Really, when I started, when my first boy was born, my partner stayed home with him for the first year. So he was home with him. I was working full time and he would like bring him to my office at noon to nurse and I would pump the rest of the day. And, you know, he, he really, you know, did everything like he, he did everything that traditionally you know, we expect of women in a heterosexual relationship. And so he would cook and he would clean and he would play with him and whatever. And I would go to work. When we had, when I was pregnant with my second one, he was ready to keep on keeping on. And I was like, get the hell out of the house. Like (laughs) I'm staying home with this one. (laughs) He's like, I could do this forever. I'm like, you're not gonna do this forever i want an opportunity to be home with the kids too yeah so we switched which was really cool and so then we had a third one and then what happened is that i realized that well we both realized we needed more income and i didn't want to go back to work i mean in the united states it's very difficult to raise a family without two incomes it's also very difficult to go to work and earn more money than it's going to cost you to pay for childcare. Mm. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a dilemma. We have a, a problem here for sure. And I also have a personal issue, which is like, I don't really like people telling me what to do. And I don't like having a boss. <laughs> I really like to be in control of my own time. And I like to decide when I work and when I don't work. And when I, my kids were young, like I needed real flexibility, right? I needed to be able to stay with them if they were sick or take them to the doctor if they needed to, or I wanted to go to their, you know, watch their, you know, soccer game or whatever, if they were playing, I wanted that flexibility. And so I actually started my business by setting a timer. You'll love this. By setting a timer for two hours a day, Monday through Friday, I would set a timer, a countdown timer on my phone for two hours and in between things. I was going to say when my boys slept, but they never nap. So that's not what happened. I can't remember when I did it, but like if nothing got done during the day, let's just say I would do it after they were asleep, but I wouldn't go to sleep until the countdown timer was at zero. So I would do something business related, something was like it was learning or, or meeting a client when I had clients or whatever it was for those two hours. But if I had to stop, you know, to eat something or go to the bathroom, I would stop my timer. And then when I came back and got started working again, I would start the timer again. And like I said, I would not go to sleep until it went down to zero. So it was like two hours a day, two hours a day, two hours a day for a wow. long time. That That is a great strategy. I and- don't remember where I learned it, but it really worked for me. And then as my life changed, I upped it, you know, then I was doing like five hours a day the kids were in school and and slowly slowly it like really turned into a real business yeah fantastic so what was the turning point when it when it really turned into a business was there a point or was it just continued development over time well that's a good question I mean, I definitely feel like I have built my business by getting up each day and you know putting one foot in front of the other and just doing one thing at a time and really focusing on one thing at a time. There, like, if I think back, I will say that I, you know, during those years that I was doing two hours a day and then five hours a day when I had kicked my partner out of the house. So he was then supporting us. He was laid off from his company along with a lot of people at a certain time. And at that point, I think I felt like, all right, And he had a hard time finding a job 
Right. And at that point, it was just like, okay, I have to really make this financially viable mm. or I have to get a job. And there is no way in hell I'm getting a job. So that was definitely like fire under me, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're such an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I really don't like people telling me what to do. <laughs> I've I've spoken to lots of people around these sorts of things, and, and we kind of call ourselves unemployable, right? Totally. I mean, if if my boss is really smart, and I think they're right, and they have great ideas, that's one thing. But my experience working was not that, and I was yeah. just like, really, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> been there, yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> I think many of us have. And, and so you had to make a decision that your business now had to make some money. What were the things that you did to make that happen? Well, I so, think the so, first thing... Yeah, were there specific things or was it a mindset shift or was it a combination of those? No, there were specific things. So I, I'm trying to remember the order of all of this, honestly, but I there was a kind of a community yoga workspace that that opened down the road from where I lived and I met the woman who owned it and there were she was involved she was that was her business and she was involved with a couple other entrepreneurs and she turned me on to Marie Forleo and B school right and that was the first like course that I ever took and that led me to getting a website up and an email list growing. And that was really like the start of like, okay, this is gonna be an online business. And the other thing that I will say is that we are a bi-national, bi-cultural family. So my, my partner's from a different country, I'm from the United States, he's from Israel, and we go back and forth a lot. And we live in both places, part of the year here, part of the year there. And I knew that I wanted to be able to work from anywhere. I needed my, my I needed to be location independent. So that from that point was was part of my goal. Yeah, I yeah. that's wonderful. That that's incredible. And I know that many entrepreneurs, you know, have that de desire or dream to one day be or get their business to a stage where they can be uh, location independent. Um, yeah. And I also really I did one thing at a time. That's another thing that I would say. And I'm not fast. I mean, I can be fast, but like when I do a big project, it takes a long time. Like I spent a year working on my first course that I put together, right? And the one that I'm launching right now as we speak, it's been several years and I still launched that course. I still teach it. It's like an amazing course. I, but it, I spent a year working on it and I bought a course about how to do courses. And that was my focus. That was like what I did during my time to time each day. Right. For, for that year, really. Maybe it wasn't a full year, but that was essentially like what I had. That was my goal for the year to get that course done. The year after that, I wrote the book with my mentor. The year after that, I started my membership, right? And it's just sort of been one thing and the other thing. And my commitment is to really keep my business simple. Like I'm not interested in having like a million different products and serving everybody on the planet. Like mm. I am very clear. My mission is to create a more peaceful world, one sweet boy at a time, 
I want to work with you if you are a parent of a boy up to maybe age 13 and you're, you know, you've tried everything and nothing's working and you, you really want to parent him peacefully, but you can't keep your cool and you don't know what to do and he's out of control and you don't know what to do. Like that's who I, that's who I work with. I don't need to work with everybody else. And yeah. I have very specific ways that I work with you. I have a course on aggression. I have a membership and I have a very few, you know, I have a little bit of one-on-ones, but like the next phase of my business, one of the things that I'm trying to do is to phase out my one-on-one coaching package and only have one-on-one coaching available to members of my community, but like can get rid of the coaching for people outside the community. Right. So that's my goal to get my membership to that stage where I will only accept one-on-one um, sessions from people within. Yeah, and that makes so much sense. And I love the way, Tosha, you've been so strategic in how you've built your business. And you've focused on just one thing at a time and making that happen. And it's incredible what happens when we do dedicate time, allocate strategic or intentional time to just get one thing done and move that forward. You and your business are a great example of how that's worked so well. So you've also implemented progress pods into your membership. What was the reason for doing that? Why? And I suppose we should probably tell our listeners what progress pods are. So in fact, why don't you tell us what your progress pods are? You call them growth groups. And, and why did you implement them into your membership? Yeah, so basically it's another name for an accountability group. I mean, the idea being that you're here with me and my membership because you want to learn something and be able to grow with it. It's like a practice, right? It's like yoga. You don't go to yoga three times and be like, okay, I learned yoga, right? You, you go to yoga, you learn it, you practice it over your entire lifetime, you get better, you grow, you change, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. what you call progress pods, I call growth groups and most people call accountability groups probably are just a really simple way to help people really make concrete progress. So I don't want people like hanging out in the community for years and years and years and not being able to kind of pinpoint like what's changed. I want them to have constant reminders that things are getting better, I guess is the best mm. way to say it. And the, and the other thing that I really want is to have um, a smaller community within a community, because mm -hmm. one of the things with parenting is you feel so alone. And for some people, like the larger group is intimidating and they don't, you know, they're not quite ready to, to share in that group or they don't feel comfortable, you know, responding to somebody's question yet uh, because they don't know them quite well enough, just depends on the person. And so this gives people like that a, a, and just another way to connect. Yeah. I have people in my community leading those groups. So I don't lead those groups. There, there are members in my community who lead them. And the cool thing about that is that like with anything, if you teach it, you get way better at it, right? And you hold yourself to a higher standard. So they're seeing amazing progress. And then everybody's like posting about it. And then other people are like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join a growth group. I'm going to join a growth group. <laughs> You sound really excited about it. And, and obviously, I'm really passionate about them because uh, it's what I do. And I've implemented Progress Pod Accountability Growth Groups into uh, many, many memberships. And we've seen just incredible results from doing that. And so can you tell us a story or an example of some of the benefits that your leaders have gained 
from being growth group leaders? Well, there's the monetary benefit I'll start with is that I offer them free membership. So they get free membership. We have a monthly growth group leaders meeting. And so that's time that they get with me. They can use it however they want. So sometimes we do have agenda items about the groups, but I always try to leave time for their parenting questions, right? So it's like an intimate opportunity for them to access me, you know, for, for coaching, for coaching purposes. So, so that's a benefit. Um, and then th- they just make all kinds of progress because, I mean, for the reason that I said before, they're, they know that people are watching them. Right. They're, they're holding others to their, we work on these, we just, we pick a tiny next step, right? Each, each growth group. And so you say, well, okay, like this week I'm going to, my tiny next step is I'm going to um, put a timer in my phone. This is an example of somebody, some that somebody did to remind my, to go off at 9 PM each night to remind me to put my phone down for the night done. Right. And that was their tiny next step from their growth group. They did it. They get to be excited about it and share it next time. Um, and I don't actually remember if that was the leader or somebody else, to be honest. But the you know the the excitement is there, and the leader knows that they're being watched. So they don't want to show up. And they don't want to show up and not have done their tiny next step. So another benefit for them is that they're just pushed even harder to move forward on their peaceful parenting journey. Yeah. And and it is a gentle process. You know, the, the whole the whole for those who are listening, you might have heard me talk a little about about the next tiny step method, but it is a gentle process of encouraging people to figure out what it is they're going to do next, when they're going to do it. And then, you know, we do ask people to come back and say, did you do it or didn't you do it? But we're not then going, why didn't you do that? Or, you know, it's just, did you do it or didn't you do it? Great. What did you learn from that? And it's this process of continual reflection and learning that I think is one of the things that's really powerful. And if we talk about accountability too, it's really accountability to ourselves. We're really holding up the mirror to the members of our group and we're saying, did you do what you said you were going to do when you said you were going to do it? And I think that over time, as people do do the things they say they're going to do, they realize that they can keep promises to themselves. They can keep commitments to themselves. So their own sense of being a trustworthy person increases. And of course, that flows over into their parenting and and their children. Because it's almost like parenting... I'm not quite sure how to say this, but there's this phrase around this idea that things are caught rather than taught. Mm-hmm. And and our children tend to behave and respond out of who who we are as parents. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and as we grow as parents and and become more trustworthy and have more belief in our in ourselves and our own ability, that just naturally transfers into our children. Yeah, I mean, and I see as people implement these next tiny steps, like these leaders are doing this as well, and they are creating big changes. So the tiny step, like setting the alarm at night, might sound like what's the big deal, but 
that combined with other, well, first that just in of itself creates change because then I go to sleep on time, then I'm rested, then I have much more patience with my kids, right? But but combine that with a bunch of other tiny steps and yeah. people are really transforming their lives and it doesn't feel like work. And I wanted to say one other thing about accountability because I also feel like it, it, there's a different kind of accountability in these accountability groups and that is my accountability to my members, right? I, I, you are paying me every month to be in here and I'm promising you something. And so mm. the, the growth groups for me are a way to be accountable to them to say, Hey, I'm giving you another way to help you reach your goals. Mm. And this, this, this next tiny step process breaks it down into just such um, tiny steps and such manageable steps that people people see the progress they make progress and they feel the progress they see it they see that it's happening which is something that i I didn't figure out how to do as well in just the you know the community group for the membership yeah yeah they they are powerful and the next tiny step method does work and I have to continue telling myself that because I work with this every day, as you know, and often I think, what, what's the big deal with this? And then I hear another story of how it's impacted somebody. And and it, it really, it creates generative thinking. Is that how you say the word? It generates new thinking for people. Once they start thinking about what is it I want to achieve, say in a week's time, and if I was to bring myself right back to here right now, what is the tiniest, smallest, easiest, immediately doable, tiny action I could take now to move forward? All of a sudden they start thinking about that and it's like, oh, I could do that. And they do it. And as they're doing it, they go, oh, and now I could do this. And then I could do this. And then I could. And all of a sudden this big goal that or, or big project that might have seemed overwhelming is now something that they've chipped away at little by little and they've made massive progress on. And the other thing I've noticed, and, and tell me whether you've noticed this in, in with your people as well, and I suspect you have because you're in the parenting area. So, um, But what I've found is that people will apply this next tiny step method in their business or in their own life, but soon they realize that it's not, it doesn't just have to work in this area, it can work in these other areas of their lives as well. And it starts to transform not just their business or their family or their parenting, but it, their relationship with others. Uh, it has a massive impact as it, as it rolls out into other areas of their lives. Have you found that as well? Yeah, actually, it's interesting. I feel like people go all over the place with their with their next tiny steps, right? And I'm trying to keep them focused on parenting. I'm yeah. like... Okay, yes, that, and yes, that, and yes, that, and I don't know anything about that. Like, I'm about parenting, so let's <laughs> kind of stay on task here. So I'm actually trying to figure out a way to bring in my, what I call my peaceful parenting journey that I've laid out for my members and figure out a way for my leaders to bring that into each call and integrate it into the practice so that people are identifying perhaps where they are today on that journey and what a next step might be for them like as it relates to their peaceful parenting journey because without that i feel like people are 
all over the place. And it's hard with parenting because everything's related, right? Yeah. If you're in a relationship, that's related. If you have an ex, that's related. You know, dealing with household things is related. Your work hours are related. I mean, everything's related. Yeah. But I feel like for me, again, I want to hold people accountable for making progress in their parenting realm. And they came to me because there was tension and struggle in their home with their boy. So that's what I can help them with, not all these other things. <laughs> and, and I think you're right. And that is one of the keys, you know, for our listeners out there, if you're thinking about putting progress pods into your group, it's really important that you have something like a success path or a, and they're known by numerous different names. What do you call yours? Mine's a peaceful parenting journey. Yeah, the peaceful parenting journey. And because when you come to the Progress Pod meeting, you can call people back to that and say, hey, where are you on this journey? This is why you're in this membership. This is why you're paying the money because you want to have results in this area. So where are you on the journey? What would be your next tiny step to move forward? And it makes a massive difference. Again, you know, just that one little idea. Well, that has been fascinating, fascinating discussion. So, so what's in store for future Tosha? What is in store for future Tasha? Well, I want to scale my membership, like I said, so that I do even fewer one-on-ones than I already do, and that's only for people in the membership. Um, and I want to, uh, it's hard for me, I think the question is hard for me to answer right now because I'm just putting out my course, and so I'm working way more than I normally do, and um, all I can think about is like, I want to work less. I want to work less. Right. The reality is, is that most of the year I do work less. I have a really, really good work-life balance. I built my business around my life and not the other way around. Mm. So in terms of like what's going on in my business, like I said, I'm focusing on, I'm focusing on two things, getting more dads in. I'm also committed to getting more uh, people of color into the membership this year. So the, the, that's kind of top of mind in terms of what I'm doing. Also, I just, for the first time, I'm going to be donating 10% of my profits from this course launch to an organization. And I've, you know, just, just figured that out, what that organization is. I'm very excited about that. And, and so new collaborations are in my future. I feel like a little bit like tired of the same network and sort of group of of my type of professionals in the virtual world not tired of them because they don't do good work but i want to reach new audiences to Mm. to reach out um, to parents who don't know that i exist who haven't heard of this before who who are hopeless and want help so that's some of the stuff that i'm working on yeah wow that's that's really exciting it's, it's going to be exciting to follow along your journey with you over the next few months, few years. So as we come to the end of this episode, Tasha, what's one idea that you'd like to leave us with? Surround yourself with people who believe in you. And if you have people in your life who are doubting you, keep your distance because it's challenging sometimes the entrepreneurial journey and we start to question ourselves and am I good enough? And who am I to be teaching this and all, all the mm. things. And you need people who can boost you and help you remember that this is your mission and this is your purpose and this is your gift 
rather than people who are going to be jealous or who are going to put you down or or raise doubts in your mind. Like we, we, we can raise doubts ourselves. We don't need help with that. Surround yourself with people who will support you on your journey. Yeah, that's fantastic. Tasha, thanks for joining us today. If people want to connect with you more, where can they do that? At parentingboyspeacefully.com. Fantastic. Well, we'll put that in the show notes below and people can click through and uh, find out a little bit more about who you are and what you're up to. Tosha, it's been an absolute delight to have you on the uh, show today. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I love talking to you. Well, what an interesting conversation. I love Tosha's two-hour countdown timer exercise. I suspect we could all use this technique to help us focus on moving our projects forward. And I was inspired to hear Tosha share about how she figured out that her academic training was actually an important piece of her journey to becoming the parenting coach she is today. I also loved how she talked about the accountability groups as a way that she could be accountable to her members to help them achieve the results she had promised them. I'd love you to send me a message and let me know what you got from our conversation. You can do this by clicking the Video Ask link in the show notes below. Video Ask is a cool app where you can leave me a message. I'd especially like to know your thoughts on this episode, but feel free to share whatever you'd like to. I'm always up for a chat. And if you enter your email address, I'll message you back. So click the link in the show notes below and leave me a message. I look forward to hearing from you. As I'm sure you've realized, I'm passionate about helping people make progress. One of the ways I do this is through helping membership owners and course creators set up progress pod accountability groups that use the next tiny step method. If you would like to know more about our progress pod accountability group system and how it can help your people make progress faster and increase your membership retention, go to richardrelston.com. There's a link in the show notes. And if you've heard something in this episode that you thought was interesting, helpful, or valuable, I'd really appreciate it if you'd take the next tiny step and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. You might also like to share this podcast with a friend. And please remember to hit that subscribe button. Until next time, remember to use the next tiny step method to help you focus on progress because it's your tiny steps taken consistently over time that will enable you to produce massive results.